And we have been studying the supernatural events surrounding the birth of Christ. That's been our last subjects here in the last few, last week and this week. And um, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to, to Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Luke 2, 7. This is the one verse that gives the birth, the simple verse that gives the birth of Jesus. Amen. And uh, I'm going to get into this this morning. <clears throat> Praise God. This is where we left off. We talked about Zacharias's experience in John, who was John the Baptist's father, and the supernatural experience. We talked about how that there was no, uh, the Lord never came and visited anybody in Israel for 400 years until that experience that Zacharias had standing at the altar of incense and uh, in the temple there. And uh, whenever the angel appeared unto him and said, you're going to have a son, his name is going to be called John, so forth. And he didn't believe it. And so the angel, Gabriel, said, you'll be dumb until, that is, can't speak until uh, John is born, until your son is born. And sure enough, uh, nine months later, John the Baptist was born. And when they said, what shall his name be? He said, his name is John. He didn't say he shall be. Uh, He said, his name is John. And And when he wrote it out on paper, his speech came back to him, just like the angel told him it would happen. Those were supernatural events that happened. And then, of course, uh, Mary, the angel visited her shortly afterwards. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. And he was also a distant cousin. Elizabeth and Mary were cousins. The Bible just says cousins. First cousins, second cousins, I don't know. Uh, But if they were first cousins, then John the Baptist and Jesus were second cousins to each other. The, The difference is that Jesus was a direct descendant of David. And John the Baptist was the direct descendant of Aaron. Aaron was the father of the priesthood. And David, of course, was the king. In the Old Testament, kings could not be priests. Priests could not be kings. And so uh, their, their lineage stayed separately. The Lord had three people that always had influence in Israel. The kings, the priests, and the, uh, and the prophets. The prophets could be anybody. They could be uh, any. They could be very poor. They could be very rich. They could be kings. They could be David, for instance, was a prophet as well as being a king. Uh, Ezekiel was a uh, was a was a was a priest, and he was a prophet, and many others as well. It goes on and on like that. So God uh, had His way of having this balance in which He would uh, govern the people and help them to guide and guide them through life. So when he came down to the point here of the Messiah being born, this miraculous act, of course, of Zacharias and uh, his son having born, the baby being born. And then here comes the time now for Jesus to be born. He and uh, she and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, makes the trek from Nazareth, in which is up in Galilee, down into Bethlehem, which is five miles south of Jerusalem. And I'm going to read this verse to you here again. And this is the simple verse of the birth of Christ. And it says here in Luke 2, 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And uh, not going back into a lot of detail here, but the pastor reminded me after I had taught this last Sunday that when we were in Israel and we had gone to Bethlehem, 
that the guide that we had, the Jewish guide, said that the swaddling clothes that were in the manger that Jesus was wrapped in, uh, that these swaddling clothes were used by the shepherds whenever they would give, they would have birth of the babes of the lambs and they would use to be wiped up clean and so forth. And that the shepherd fields that were around Bethlehem, and again, I say they're only five miles. That's like the distance from here to Bayside Lakes down here. Uh, the distance between these two towns, city, Jerusalem being a city and Bethlehem, just a little town, that the surrounding uh, shepherd fields were where what they call uh, offering lambs were reared or raised and they grew. And what would happen is that because they were close to Jerusalem, they would take these lambs then to Jerusalem and people would come there to offer sacrifices to God and then they would buy a lamb, pay the man the cost and then they'd offer the sacrifice for the lamb. So many of these lambs were, most of them were sacrificial lambs raised for that purpose. And we were told that by the Jewish guy, and my son reminded me of that, so I thought I'd pass that along to you. And that the swaddling clothes, swaddling clothes was those cloths that they would use to wipe and clean the lambs whenever they were born and so forth in those stables. And they would keep them close at hand so they could take them to Jerusalem when they got a little larger. Some of the lambs had to be under a year old. Some had to be under three years old, depending on what the sacrifice was to be for and so forth. Now, I'm going to go into the next phase, and this is the one I'm going to get into here today. Uh, and that is one other thought here about the birth of Christ. I want you to notice the seventh verse again before I move on from this. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I never mentioned this last week. My time ran out. But let me just say one thing, folks. Don't leave Christ out of your life. Make room for Jesus in your life. I'm serious. That we've got to have room. This is our end right here. Am I not right? This is our end right here. And uh, we can say, oh, I don't have room for Jesus in my life. But we need to have Jesus in our lives. A lot of times people will be on this, the, the outskirts of it, but they don't really get in it and let Jesus come inside. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open unto me, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. So Jesus wants to be your friend he wants to be your savior. He wants to save each and every one of us. He came for that purpose. And so in doing so, uh, he wants, he knocks at our door. That's what you feel sometimes when you come to church and, and you're, you're not where we, you're not saved or where you should be with the Lord. The Lord's knocking on your door and he's saying, I want to come in. I want to be your savior. I want to be your friend. I want to give my love to you. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So with the Holy Ghost, that love is shed abroad in our hearts. You can have all kind of hatred in your heart, but when you receive the spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, when you receive that spirit inside of you, it'll give you love that is absolutely passes all understanding. And it's a love for other people and a love for God and a love for the things of God. Praise God. So I'm going to move on here, but uh, look at verse eight here. We're going to talk about the shepherds for a moment. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel, notice the word angel is not plural, but is singular. It's one angel, one angel at this point. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them 
and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Now, I've got a little uh, picture here. I'm going to see if I can get it bumped up here where you can see it. It's just a little visual aid here that we that I've got. Yep. <laughs> All right, let me get the plus here. Let's see if I can get it up as big as I can get it. The shepherd fields. Is that pretty good? Not bad for for a little uh, cover. And that's sort of the shepherd fields there, and I'll give an automatic focus here. Everybody see that good? I give us a visual here until I get to some other areas here that we're going to show you in a few moments here. But this is the shepherd fields around about Jerusalem. And those were some of the uh, mountains that were in southern Judea in the distance there. Now, I want you to uh, look at this verse with me here in verse 9. Again, I'm reading this. This is 2.9 of the book of Luke. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of God shone round about them. That is, around the shepherds. Now, when the angel appeared, the glory of God was all around them. And you can imagine the, the effect that it had upon them. I'm talking about the supernatural experiences that, that developed and happened here surrounding the birth of Christ. This was one of them. And it surrounded them, and they were so afraid that the angel, that is this angel that appeared unto them, said unto them, Fear not. And this is always a statement that the Lord makes and the angels make when they appear to somebody who sees them suddenly. And it's almost frightening. Fear not. Always don't be afraid. Can I just say this? Everything with God you don't have to be afraid of. Everything about the Lord you don't have to be afraid of. Praise the Lord. The only thing we ever have to be afraid of is the judgment when judgment time comes. This is not judgment time yet. Judgment time is on its way and it will come one day. But today is the day of salvation. The door of salvation stands wide open, just like Noah's ark door stood wide open until everybody that was to be saved in the ark got in the ark. So I'm just saying here that the door of salvation is wide open and Jesus Christ is our savior. And so don't be afraid, praise God. Don't be afraid of his presence, his spirit. Don't be afraid of worship. Don't be afraid of glorifying God, clapping your hands, all the things that magnify God. Never be afraid of it. Praise God. Verse 21, and when eight days were accomplished, Jesus now eight days old, uh, when it was accomplished for the circumcision of the child, which the Jews always circumcised on the eighth day, their male babies, because that was when Abraham circumcised Isaac on the eighth day. And uh, so it, they, they followed that. And the Bible even teaches that. It taught that in the 12th chapter of Leviticus, it teaches that. And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. They circumcised him and named him at the same time. And so his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived of the womb. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to give you a little understanding. I'm not going to read the 12th chapter of Leviticus to you, even though it's a short chapter. But it tells how all this was to be done properly under the law. And they follow the law to the letter that Mary and Joseph did. And uh, this is what happened when a woman was considered unclean or was not, was not past her, what was called her purification, uh, whenever she had given birth to the child. And on the eighth day, if it's a male baby, she was allowed, she was allowed to go to the temple uh, with the father and to have him circumcised and to have him named on the eighth day. 
Then they returned back to their home and she was not allowed to come from that point on for, uh, I think it was uh, for 41 days all total. What was it? 30, 33 more days. For 33 more days, she was not allowed then to come into the temple. And uh, I'll bring this out here in just a few moments here. But this is what this was all about. This is brought, brought, not brought out here, but it's brought out in the 12th chapter of Leviticus. Sometime, if you'd like to read it, it's very interesting. And it says here in the 22nd verse, and when the days of her purification, now this was bumping it up now, 33 days later. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So 41 days after his birth, then he was presented to the Lord, being the oldest child, or the oldest son it is. Being the oldest son, he was dedicated to the Lord in a very special way. They like the first fruits. Also, they dedicated the first of all the animals uh, that was born uh, to uh, to uh, any animal that was the her, that sheep or cattle, whatever it was, their oldest sibling, not sibling, their oldest offspring. And and this was the same thing with the animals that it was, but with the humans, they were dedicated to God in particular. And so Jesus then was brought and she was brought. And here's what it goes on to say here. When the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now, in Leviticus chapter 12, it says that the wife at this point uh, the mother of the child was to offer a lamb for a burnt offering and a pigeon dove for a sin offering. If you could not afford the lamb, you offered two turtle doves or two pigeons. It didn't matter. Here in the scriptures, it simply says two pigeons or two turtle doves simply because they were poor people. Mary and Joseph were poor. He was a, uh, he was, as you know, a carpenter. And uh, he just made his living by handcraft. And probably, and this is the way it was done in those days much, and what is even done nowadays in a lot of, it, in a lot of cases, is that if a man's a craftsman, wherever he goes, he just he falls in and starts doing work wherever he is. You know, you just hear, if you've got a cousin or an uncle or brother-in-law or somebody that lives there, he says, you got any work that I can do, you know? And he was a carpenter. So carpenters back then did not just build houses. But they also built uh, furniture. Furniture was a big item, you know, built everything, I guess, rocking chairs, just tables and every straight chairs, everything else. So anyhow, wherever he went, he would just, you know, jump right into his trade and everything and provide a living for his family. So this was what was, was going on with these verses here. And it, it goes on to talk about then uh, the, these things. Now, while they were at the temple following the, uh, in the purification part of it, after the 41 days of his birth. And Jesus now was 41 years old and he was in the temple. This is what happened. Look at verse 25. Everybody still with me. We're talking about phenomenal experiences surrounding this birth of Jesus. Verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the constellation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, this guy was no relation, no kin to anybody who was just happened to be there. This is what happened, how it all happened. Verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost 
that he should not see death before he had seen the, the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. And it was revealed to him so he knew he would live until Jesus was born or till Christ was born. And he came by the spirit into the temple, verse 27. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen this, thy salvation. And uh, which, uh, verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Verse 32, the first line there, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And it goes on here from there now. And he says a few more things there. But the point I want to bring you out is that the Lord has said to him by the Holy Ghost, you are going to see the Messiah before you die. Praise God, it's going to happen to you. And so this man looked for it, he waited for it, and he walked in the spirit, he loved God, he stayed close to the Lord. And when this happened, he said, this is it, praise God. Now, let me show you something in Psalms 91. Go to Psalms 91, if you will, with me for just a moment here. I, uh, I want to, uh, I debated whether to do this, but I want to leave a psalm with you. This is, this is one of the most interesting psalms in the entire book of Psalms, Psalms 91, because it's about you and me. And this man apparently had read this and God spoke to him through this psalm somewhere, I believe. I'll show you why I believe it. Look at chapter 91 of Psalms in the first verse. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When you read this verse, I mean, it is powerful how God keeps his hand on the righteous. If you ever get discouraged or you ever get weary in walking with God, you turn to 91 and read this. It will give you the assurance. It is 16 verses long. And read this psalm sometimes. It will encourage your heart. It will lift your spirits. And, uh, it, it just, and, and when you get down toward the end of it, this is what... Amaze me here. I'm going to read 14, 15, and 16. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Verse 16. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. <laughs> Amen. When I read that and show him my salvation, I said to myself, I wonder if Simon read that verse of scripture and the Holy Ghost just quickened something. Anybody ever have the Holy Ghost quicken the word through your heart? You ever had that experience? And I just wondered, maybe Simon read that and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, that's you, Simon. You'll, you'll not depart until you see have seen my salvation. Praise God. And so when Jesus was born, the Holy Ghost said, this is it. This is what I'm talking about, Simon. And so Simon when he was in the temple. And I'm just, I'm just surmising that. I don't have no proof of that or nothing, but I know the 91st Psalm is a powerful Psalm for the righteous. This man was a good man. And uh, I just wondered about that. And it says that the Holy Ghost had revealed to him he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's child or the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah, which of course was salvation. Amen. So anyway, I thought I'd just pass that along to you. Now, they're in the temple. Simon comes in and does this marvelous thing about and prophesies. And while they're still there, 
another thing happens in the temple. And this is uh, now the pure, this is the time of the purification is all over with. They're offering sacrifices for both Mary and also now for Jesus and to offer him to the Lord now as, uh, as the firstborn of the family and so forth. Look at verse 36. Everybody with me now still? We're in 236 of Luke. This is events surrounding the birth of Christ that's uh, supernatural or just uh, phenomenal events. Verse 36, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age. If you've got your Bible, put a line under that, of great age. And had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow for about four score and four years. For 84 years, she was a widow after he had died. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers day and night. And came in that instant, gave thanks uh, likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for, uh, for the redemption of Israel. This lady was of great age. Okay. So she had been married for seven years. She was, I don't know how old, let's say 15 years old when she married. I'm going to make it real young so she won't be too old. You know, let's suppose she got married at 15 years old. And then, then she was married for seven years, maybe 22 years. And then her husband had been dead for 84 years. You know, I mean, how many, many years we got there? Anyhow, we got what, 100 and something, right? I don't know. 100, over 100 years old. Anyhow, she was of great age and she was in the temple and she stayed there in that temple and she worshiped God and just spoke to people and so forth. And, uh, and she was all, and the verse 38 says, and she came, she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. So here's God at the very birth of Christ. Here's the Lord giving witnesses of people saying, this is him, this is the one, this is the one that's going to come. Praise the Lord. All these events surrounded the birth of Jesus Christ when all this happened. This is what's recorded in the book of Luke. Praise God. We haven't even touched Matthew yet. We're going there right now. Now, let me say one thing here. There's only two of the gospel books that records or speaks of the birth of Jesus. And that's Matthew and Luke. Uh, Mark and John begins their gospel with the ministry of John the Baptist and then goes from there into the ministry of Jesus Christ. Powerful, but the birth of Jesus is only mentioned in Mark, in Matthew rather, and in Luke. Luke deals with Mary's side of it, Mary's experiences, even Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth when she was going to have John the Baptist give birth to John the Baptist. All these things is, is Luke's version of it. Matthew deals more with, uh, with, uh, with Joseph's side of it, though Joseph was not Jesus's earthly, he was not his real father, he was what was simply called their earthly father. Jesus, is, God, as you know, was the father of Jesus. You know, he gave, uh, Mary was conceived with the Holy Ghost of God. And so Matthew, I mean, uh, Joseph uh, was that earthly father and the Lord gave him the responsibility to look after them, look after Jesus and so forth as a, uh, as, a, as a father. And so I'm going to have you go to Matthew for a moment here, if you will, with me. Just go to Matthew over here. And this is also Matthew chapter 2, like Luke is chapter 2. Matthew 2 is about the birth of Jesus. And I'm not going to go into detail here where the Lord first appeared unto him. 
and said, you know, you're going to have a child and everything. But look in, look in 2.1. Now, this is interesting because this is where the, the wise men come into the picture. Many times you see a picture and you see, you see Mary and Joseph and Jesus, baby Jesus. You see all the shepherds. And then you see all the wise men. They're all gathered around, you know, him in a manger. That was not the real situation. The wise men arrived later. They arrived even after the purification time, which was later than 41 days later and so forth. Now, I'm going to read these verses to you. This is what happened uh, that brought the wise men into the picture. Everybody still with me? Stay with me on this. This is a, this is a different approach altogether. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, the scene starts with them arriving in Jerusalem. It just simply says they came from the east, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are are come to worship him. Now, let me have you go over here to the, uh, the book of Numbers for a moment. Over to the book of Numbers. And it talks about his star. This is one of the first places it talks about the coming of the Messiah, this is recorded in the Bible. And this is in Numbers 24, 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not near or nigh. Everybody with me? Okay. I shall behold him, not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Jumping down to 19 to save time. Out of Jacob shall he come that shall have dominion. So there is a scripture there in that scripture that talks about a star, Jesus being a star or having a star that whenever he would arise. Now, the Bible also talks about wise men coming to Jesus whenever he was, he was to be born. And uh, I'm going to have you look with me in Psalms uh, 72, Psalm 72, 10. Look at these verses. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Verse 15, and he shall live and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Uh, Let me show you a map here a little bit. These, uh, I'm going to show you some other interesting things as well here from the Bible. This is a, uh, I'm going to bump this up here where you can see it a little better. This is a map of the, 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 uh, of the Middle East. You may not be able to see it too well because it's a, a big map because it's a large area. But this is Palestine up here where you see the red square. Okay. What did I do? I guess I blocked out a light, didn't I? All right. <laughs> so, so much for that.
All right, let's forget that. Anyhow, I was going to show you where the wise men were from. They were from the east. The old, like the, the, the Babylonian, the old Persian Empire, and also from Sheba and Seba. It's down in that southern part. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's the country today we would call Yemen. Yemen in southern uh, Saudi Arabia, down in the southern end of it. Anyhow, it says that these people would come and they would bring, you know, gifts to the Lord. And this is, of course, found in Psalms here. And then in, uh, in Isaiah, this is what it says also in prophecy concerning the wise men that would come to, to the Messiah. It says here, I'm reading in Isaiah 60 and 1. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Verse 3, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Now these were Gentile men who came. And look at verse 6. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and of Ephah, all they from Sheba, they, they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. And as you well know, the three gifts that were brought to Jesus was gold, incense, and myrrh. At least that's the three that was mentioned. And it doesn't say there were three wise men. It just names three gifts that were brought. It could be, have been more gifts. It, just, it may have just mentioned those three. Or it could, have been, uh, it could have been just the three types of gifts, but it could have been many givers. It could have been many wise men. We don't know, but the Bible just says that they did come from these various countries. Verse 6, I'm going to read this, sixty in verse, chapter 60, verse 6, here in Isaiah again. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the Dramador, there is the, the Midians, the Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Now, uh, here's one more interesting thing. Who are these people now? Who are these wise men? Uh, that was the captivity of Israel by the Babylonians in, in 606 B.C. Uh, and also again in 588 B.C. In which the Babylonians went over and conquered Israel and Judah and took you know, thousands of those Jews back to Babylon with them. Daniel being one of them. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, three Hebrew children being three others. You know, Mordecai being another one, the uncle of Esther and so forth. Uh, Ezekiel being another one. All of these were taken captive over there. And uh, Daniel, for one, of course, never went back to Israel. Neither did Ezekiel. They never went back to Israel again. They lived in that foreign land and died. Now, later on, when the Babylonians had conquered Israel, the, the, the Media Persian Empire, called Media Persian, actually became later just the Persian Empire, conquered the Babylonians. When they conquered the Babylonians and they found these Jews that were like wise men in the kingdom, they engrafted them into their kingdom and became and used them to help them to make decisions and to serve them in that capacity and so forth. And so consequently, uh, the knowledge that these men had of their Old Testament and about the star and all these kind of things and the prophecies and so forth they may have passed them along to the other wise men who were Gentiles in that region. And this was handed down for over a period of 100, say 500 years. And then finally, whenever the star appeared, these men went back to those writings and said, hey, there's a star that's going to appear. There's a king that's been born over there. 
And let's go, you know, find out about it. We've heard so much about it from these others. That could have been one group of the people. Another group, and this is very interesting. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look with me over here in Genesis for a moment. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. This is chapter 25. This goes clear back to Abraham. When when Sarah died, Abraham married again. And he married a woman by the name of Keturah, verse 1. Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. Sarah had died. Isaac was born now. Isaac was now about 25 years old. Uh, Abraham had took Keturah. And she bare him. This is Keturah bore uh, him these sons. Uh, Zimran, Jokstan, Midian, 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 Ishbak, and Shua. And then it goes on to say who these people uh, had sons on. The Midian gave birth in verse 4 to Ephah and Ephah and uh, and so forth. And you start seeing these names appear. And these are the same names that you see over here in Isaiah. (coughs) Excuse me where it speaks about these uh, kings coming from these regions. So it's possible that these were descendants of Abraham's uh, wife by Keturah, from Abraham, by Keturah, his his, uh, second wife that he had at the end, and that they knew or were aware that there was coming Messiah one day that would come out of Israel or through Isaac. I don't know, but it's strange that they came from those regions and those regions are named here and you find it named over there as well. So what we're simply pointing out here is that the Lord gave them, praise the Lord, these understandings and uh, they were people who began to follow that, praise God. So they followed the star and it came clear over to that area. And I'm going to go back then to Matthew here if I if I'm a spot here and I'm going to wind this up here. Our time is gone. But these was phenomenal events strange events, things that happened. But these wise men showed up and here's what happened. I'm going to wrap this up now. They came to Herod and they said, Herod, the king, we've seen his star in the east and so forth. I won't read it. I'll just tell you the story. And most of you know it very well. And uh, this was, I'm sure, months after Jesus was born. And they said, we, uh, we uh, need to know. And they said, Herod said, oh, okay, there's a king born. He was disturbed by it. And all of Jerusalem was disturbed by it. And finally, Herod said, I'll tell you what. And he says, he called his wise men and he says, is there to be a king born to the Jews somewhere? They said, yeah. And they looked in their book and they found it in Micah, in the book of Micah, that he'd be born in Bethlehem, prophesied there. And I mentioned this to you in one of our previous lessons. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, as prophesied. And they said, yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So consequently, King Herod said to the wise men, go to Bethlehem. And when you find him, come back and let me know where he is because I want to go worship him. Herod had no intention to worship him. Herod was one of the most wicked guys you will ever read about. He killed two of his own sons because he thought they were trying to muscle in to take his throne. This is how wicked he was. When he died, when he died, he had put a decree that all the people in the prisons should be killed when he died. So that all the people would cry and they'd be crying at his death. And instead, when he died, they turned all the prisoners free and everybody was rejoicing. (laughs) So everybody rejoiced at his death. I'm just telling you how wicked this guy really was. Anyhow, that's all in history. Josephus writes about all that. 
So I'm just pointing out to you here that whenever this all developed, the Lord spoke to Joseph. God bless Joseph. Spoke to Joseph and, uh, and said, now, Joseph, it's time for you to get out of here and, uh, and, uh, and everything. They, these wise men went to Bethlehem. They found Joseph and Mary and they found the babe. I'm going to read this verse of scripture here. Uh, Verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east. I'm reading here 2, 9 in Matthew. They went before them till he came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they beheld it with great joy. Verse 11, and when they were come into the house. You notice here, they're no longer in the manger now. This is way past. They're in the house. They saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream. Now, here's the wise men being warned that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. And that was the end of their connections with with him. Now, look at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there there until... I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child's life. And so he departed by night and he went into Egypt and stayed there until verse 19. And they want to wind this up now. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he told him the child, and it went on to say Herod's dead and so forth. Verse 22, but when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. Again, so four times God spoke through an angel to Joseph how to take care of the family. Folks, let me tell you something. God will take care of his own. He will. Trust me on that. If you walk with God and serve the Lord, I don't care what you're going through. God's going to keep his hand on you and believe him with all your heart. Amen. And uh, then it goes on to say here, then from verse 23, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth that might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Amen. And the birth of Jesus was such a phenomenal thing. What a powerful thing. I still am saddened to see where that Jesus is not, the birth of Christ is not part of Christmas anymore in all of the Christmas stuff. Christians should push that more than anything else. You know, I, I, I like to just keep on saying Merry Christmas and keep on keeping the major scene and the birth of Jesus being the center point of what Christmas is all about because the world's losing it. But Jesus came to save the world. Thank God for his many blessings. So let's all stand together. Give God the praise and glory. You've been such a great audience here this morning with all the snapping and popping and lights going out and everything else. God bless you. Amen. I love you guys. Let's stand together and worship him. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these wonderful people. God, we glorify your wonderful name and praise you, Jesus. Keep your hand on us today and bless our morning service mightily. In Jesus' name we pray.